Welcome. This is the Fifth Dimension. I'm your host, Captain Fred. Today is October the 16th of 2022. We've covered a lot of ground in previous shows with topics that have been tabooed or or against the law, literally, and sometimes. Uh, but we are actively engaged in revolution all the time. We revolutionize the way we think about things pretty often. I was reading from my father's book the other day, and I came across an author that stimulated a a little bit of a research. Her name was Mary Davison. I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners to RBN that are familiar with Mary's work. She had written a letter to universities and and campus editors to, to, to start a discourse at universities. This, of course, goes back to around the early to mid-60s. She says, this letter is addressed to about 100 university class presidents and campus editors. It's a plea from the right wing to the left wing, from the old to the young, for reconciliation and understanding. Why not a peace conference that we may re-examine our thoughts and our prejudices? Perhaps we have been wrong in some of our estimates. I've learned from a very rewarding personal experience that there is an unsuspected area of agreement between left and right. And the points of agreement seem to me to be extremely significant. Upon my invitation, the local leader of the left came to visit me. I am a semi-invalid. I had listened to her remarks on a radio talk program. We agreed on so many matters that a firm friendship has developed. I hope our points of agreement will interest you. Number one, we both oppose the draft. The right has always opposed it on constitutional grounds. Number two, we both oppose the Vietnam War and any other wars unless we are attacked. Number three, we both agree that wars have always been created by the wealthiest men in the countries involved, not only by munitions makers, but also by the bankers who arrange the financing. Number four is we agree that the news media and the educational systems have been sabotaged. Two full generations have been taught things which simply are not true. We agree that the establishment and the system, which we believe are not 
exactly the same thing, are so thoroughly corrupt that they cannot be reformed. A new order must take over. We agree on capitalism, although we have different interpretations of the term. We are trying to fight the same men, but at the same time we argue with one another. My friend and I agree that it is the extremist of either side who makes the noise. We agree also that a complete understanding of the monetary system is necessary to any understanding of the balance of our problems. The American producers, both capital and and labor alike, turn out so much in a working lifetime that we should have a truly abundant and debt-free life. If we were permitted to retain our earnings for ourselves, our families, and, and such charities as we might desire to support, whether at home or abroad, But the economic system we have known in the past century is finished. It has been plundered by men who have never produced anything, but who have waxed fat on the earnings and production of others. They have bribed us with our own money and have protected themselves in their explanation by making foundation grants to professors and universities who in turn taught what was in in the interest of their benefactors regardless of truth or fact. The subject on which these exploiters wish to avoid discussion is the monetary system the manner in which money is created and distributed. Hmm. The late John Nance Garner stated uh, emphatically that if the American people ever learned of the system, there would be immediate revolution. Two chairmen of the Banking and Currency Committees of Congress have worked and warned against it that for years these these words have gone unheeded. Now the system has collapsed. It cannot be reformed. It must be replaced. Wow, folks. I don't think anything's really changed. But Mary... uh, Mary wrote a lot of really interesting stuff. She was, I believe she was from Nebraska. She was published in the uh, Greater Nebraskan. And uh, she wrote a book called The Profound Revolution. It was a short book. I think it was like 90 pages. 
she she said that before the United States becomes further involved in profound revolution all over the world, it might be well to stop, look and listen to contemplate the consequences of the peaceful revolution, which has been kept so secret for more than a quarter century. One consequence of revolution has always been a change in the form of government and, of course, a new ruling class. The constitutional government of the United States has established the people as rulers of this nation. The rule was of, for, and by the people. In the profound but peaceful revolution described by the president, which at that time was Lyndon Johnson, the people were not consulted. They knew nothing about it. When their constitutional government was overthrown, the government of, by, and for the people did perish from the earth. We shall take the president at his word. We will accept for the purposes of this book the promise that there was a successful revolution during the Franklin Roosevelt administration. The New Deal and the brain trust symbolized the new revolutionary government. It is this new revolutionary government we must deal. For this new revolutionary government of the United States has officially stated its intention of spreading this particular revolution worldwide. Neither people nor Congress are to be consulted. The New Deal revolution was unique. It maintained the outward forms of the old constitutional government, the three departments of government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial were, to all intents and purpose, to remain. The people, unaware that the revolution had occurred, would not be aroused by the ousting of their duly elected president and Congress and the appointed judiciary. If the profound and peaceful aspects were to continue, the people would have to be deceived, kept in ignorance, while the revolutionary government was quietly eased into full power and control. Revolutions are not organized overnight, nor do they form without strong central planning and direction. The facts of the New Deal revolution are now coming to light, and the forces which put the revolution in motion are fully revealed. Astute men had long since the formation of a movement calculated to control the government of the United States. The same men who instigated the revolution of 1933 were referred to by New York City's Mayor John F. Hyland as long ago as March 22, 1922. He said, the real menace of our republic is the invisible government, which, like a giant octopus, sprawls its 
slime he linked over our city, state, and nation. At the head is a small group of banking houses, generally referred to as international bankers. This little courtier of powerful international bankers virtually run our government for their own selfish ends. The international bankers referred to here by Mayor Highland had organized three years before this and formed a powerful structure dictated, um, dedicated to control, dedicated to the control of the world. With this, within this group was complete control of the money of the world, and they intended to use it to the fullest advantage. They called themselves the Council on Foreign Relations. They have worked steadily on their project of world control by building world empire. Nothing has been permitted to stand in their way. On December 9, 1950, the Chicago Times, taking note of the menacing power of the Council on Foreign Relations, commented editorially, the members of the Council are persons of much more than average influence in the community. They have used the prestige that their wealth, their social position, and their education have given them to lead their country toward bankruptcy and military debacle. They should look at their hands. There's blood on them. The Chicago Times. Thus the existence and the satanic power of the Council on Foreign Relations was recognized by men in position to know about it many years ago. Many years ago. Many warnings such as those raised by Mayor Highland in the Chicago Times were uttered and fell on deaf ears. Among the international bankers who had formed the Council on Foreign Relations and whose descendants make up the Council today were the House of Rockefeller, the House of Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Kuhn, Loeb and Company, Lehman Brothers, Brown Brothers Harriman. There were and are others, of course, but these provided the nucleus of the world powerhouse, which was to work towards revolution for the establishment of a world empire, to be ruled by themselves and their counterparts in Europe. The membership of the Council on Foreign Relations never exceeds 1,400, more than 1,000 of whom are the educated elite who serve as workhorses and lackeys of the billionaires, the billionaires element at the top. The brain trust, which moved into Washington with Roosevelt and set up the New Deal, their name for the profound and peaceful revolution, almost to a man, came from the headquarters training school of the Council on Foreign Relations. E. 
each seceding administration has absorbed more and more of the Council on Foreign Relations lackey staff into the government until at, at last the Kennedy administration was more than 90% a Council on Foreign Relations operation. The revolutionary government had been firmly established. The time had come for the experienced hand to move and get the worldwide revolution rolling. This, as the president stated in his speech of December 17, 1963, he intends to do. This little book is written at a time when the New World Order is facing a crisis. The New World Order will pass. What then? Americans who have lived through half a century under the New Order without knowing or even suspecting that the constitutional government of the United States had been quietly erased are not equipped to deal with the problem. So what now? Students in schools have been taught for several generations that we are building a new world order. Their parents knew nothing about it. They would not have believed it if they had been told. They have been completely absorbed in the accumulation of material wealth, a new form of wealth peculiar to the new order. In the days of the Constitutional Republic, Americans worked, saved, and were free and responsible. Their wealth was invested in debt-free property and in savings in banks. They were prepared to meet the misfortunes of life as well as its responsibilities. They had wrought mightily, and, and they managed their wealth wisely. Then a terrible malignancy invaded the body of the Republic. The happy and prosperous people were taken into a world war. The horrors of war, however, were soon forgotten in the unprecedented prosperity of the post-war period. For the first time, individual Americans began to borrow money to pay for unearned luxuries, to gamble in overpriced stocks. They were mortgaging their future to pay for the pleasures of the present. The people discarded the old, way, the old ways of industry, economy, and thrift and embarked on a dangerous policy. No longer were savings applied to the purchase of a home as Americans had always purchased homes with money carefully saved for the purpose. The down payment, the mortgage on future earnings, was the trademark of the new order. Americans indulging in this practice went through life burdened by debt, never really owning anything. New devices entered the public communications field. Slick magazines, radio, and eventually television. 
These were put to work to sell new ideas and attitudes on the debt economy. Propaganda poured upon the populace day and night, and soon all trace, all memory of the old order had disappeared. The credit economy had been replaced by the debt economy. Propaganda sustained the new order. The future was mortgaged to the hilt. Propaganda (laughs) propaganda drugged Americans, accepted the theory that we do not need to worry about public debt. We owe it to ourselves, in other words. We do not have to pay the debt because we owe it to Americans. If we had owed it to foreigners, we would have had to pay it. This idea was an expansion of the theory of the New Deal, the New Order, that Americans could not hold or acquire gold or redeem government paper in gold. A state of perpetual war has come with the New Order, and rebellious youth is now challenging the system which imposes upon them the debts and taxes resulting from the wow, that's a new word, profligacy of other generations. They're challenging the right of any government to demand of them the sacrifices which the perpetual war of new order demands. The rebellion is the crisis now confronting the new world order. I'm going to break for a minute on this and say that it seems like they've solved that problem. During the Vietnam years, the draft, the compulsory military service was hated by both sides. So now they've created a situation that war is an occupation. They no longer call the war actors, they call them war, actually they don't call them warriors anymore, they call them war fighters. American youth may be coming to the realization that the New World Order is not going to work to their advantage. They will have to make some important decisions, which should be based on solid facts, if they are to change things for the betterment of themselves and their children. They have to learn to distinguish truth from falsehood, to separate fact from propaganda. They will have to understand that Many of the things they've been taught are not true. Then they will have to seek out the facts for themselves before they can hope to make sound decisions. The New World Order has been based on lies and distortion, which must be completely debunked. 
First on the debunk list should be the Federal Reserve System. The Federal Reserve System is not owned by the government. The government doesn't, doesn't own a dime. The government doesn't own any stock in the Federal Reserve. It's owned by private individuals, mostly by those who own and co control the great banking investment houses of New York. Congress does not coin the money and regulate its value. The privately owned Federal Reserve System issues all the money. They create the money and get it into circulation by buying debt bonds of the federal government. The government puts the money into circulation when they use these Federal Reserve notes to pay the government bills. The green paper in the pockets of Americans is plainly marked. It tells its own story. It's a Federal Reserve note. The government in Washington is not a national government. Under the New World Order, it is the government of a state and the world government of the United Nations. This fact is accepted in a hazy sort of fashion by the student of the day. His parents have never suspected it, nor would they have cared much if they had. Collectively, they have long since decided to let their children work out the problems created by their own desires for the unearned good things of life here and now. The fact that the children were not being equipped to handle these problems was of no consequence to their parents, not until the draft board takes its toll do these parents sense danger. They've solved that problem pretty well, haven't they? They use a lot of nationalism, a lot of uh, hoorah to get get people involved in their wars. It is the opinion of this writer that a factual review of the past is imperative if the youth of today is to understand the present and to be prepared to assess properly the strangest and most colossal wreckage in all history. A sea of wreckage represented by split-level homes, gouty new cars and boats, fabulous luxuries of every description, all mortgaged to the hilt and charged to the new generation. You know, for the last two years, This world has been sold a remedy. <laughs> a remedy from something that might or might not ail you. It's a perfect situation. Inquiring in Rebellious youth must understand that all this did not happen without central planning and direction.
I'll be back in a few minutes. This is Captain Fred. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee... You have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Hello, I'm Dr. Leonard Horowitz. I was right 30 years ago in warning the world about threatening lab virus outbreaks, AIDS, and Ebola. I was right 20 years ago when FBI Director Robert Mueller made me a suspect in the anthrax mailings because I warned the Bureau before the CIA's biocrime and Cipro sales psyops happened. I was right about COVID-19 being an AIDS-laced mutagen plan to resurge this fall to excuse officials' profitable depopulation globalization agendas. And I was right about the only safeguards being antioxidants and holy spiritual sustenance. Vitamin C, D, zinc, chlorophyll, oxygen, and oxysilver especially transmits the frequency resonance to neutralize the expanded function bioweapon. Oxysilver is a double superconductor of the healing power of love. It is the first nutraceutical invented to amplify prayer power and the faithful loving intention of your heart. Buy, try, and stockpile oxysilver through HealthyWorldStore.com. Hi. Tom Bolton for EaseOff. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation, but today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419.
And and anyone who would like to understand what's happening needs to realize that in all history, there's been greedy and powerful mad men who have schemed to rule the world. He should know who these men are and how they operate. Revolution, as the average American understands the term, is a violent overthrow of existing government. The international bankers of the Council on Foreign Relations could not hope to accomplish their purpose by such tactics, nor are they no are they the type to engage in such perilous activities. The new revolution had to be fought with money. They would provide the money for revolution, for wars, for the wholesale bribery of the whole populace in the forms of welfare, subsidies, wage and price guarantees, social security, and and a host of other benefits, all charged to the beneficiaries of the public debt. This debt is owed largely to the international bankers of of the Council on Foreign Relations. Folks, that was written in the 60s, and it still stands today. I'd like to open the phones for calls. Um, the number to dial in is 512 um, I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> What's that number again? I'm having a brain freeze on it. Four. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, anyway, we do have another call, that, a call that's already coming in right now, and I'll announce the uh, the call-in number here in a second. Oh, here it is. It's 512-248-8252. I should know this by now, but it's 512-248-8252. I'd like to uh, welcome Dave in San Francisco, if you're still holding. Dave, what's on your mind today? Oh, sure. Thanks, Fred. Uh, yeah, I hope you're having a good week. Uh, and by the way, that word you were looking for was profligacy, uh, like a profligate thing. Uh, it means basically with uh, abandon or kind of um, uh, wastrel, you know, somebody that wastes a lot of uh, resources or whatnot. Um, you know, I uh, have you ever studied hyperinflation? I've heard that term a lot lately, and... As far as studying it, I'm not really sure that there's there's anything you can study about it. I mean, uh, what is hyperinflation, Dave? Well, uh, uh, the best example of it was uh, back in uh, right after World War One. Uh, Germany finally got rid of their king, uh, the Kaiser, and uh, and they had a brand new republic. You know, they were 125 years late. Uh, you know, we had our 1776, but it took Germany 125 years to finally kick out their king. And so the brand new republic was printing their own money. And the Kaiser's boys, uh, with the aid of uh, the king of England and all of the other monarchies, uh, were trying to ruin the economy of Germany. And so they basically puffed up the uh, the value of the money so high that you actually had to have a wheelbarrow full of money to buy a loaf of bread. And when you can imagine how hard it is to print money uh, and you would, and how easy it is to bake bread, 
the idea that you would have to actually have a wheelbarrow full of money to buy a loaf of bread just showed how preposterous it was. But the uh, the monarchy was trying to ruin the reputation of a, a republic so that they could uh, people would beg to get the monarchy back, and uh, it was a dirty trick. And I suspect that what's going on with inflation today is the corrupt are trying to get us to uh, to beg to give up our birthright and get the corrupt back in power. Uh, you know, and a, a way of showing that the uh, inflation is not real. Uh, you know, I'm calling you from San Francisco. Uh, you remember a year ago when the uh, supply chain issue was just starting up, uh, some of those ships were waiting down in Los Angeles and San Diego for a solid 100 days before they could land. 100 days. Yet they were just south of uh, San Francisco by 400, maybe 500 miles, they could have come up here in just a couple of few days and offloaded because our port was basically empty. And they, they refused uh, to do it. Seattle was empty. Uh, the uh, uh, Portland was empty. And they, they refused to do it. They wanted to jack up prices. And they yeah. wanted, you know, so it, it was totally phony. And they've created, a, we're not in hyperinflation right now. We're easily in the start of uh, uh, a piece of it, but we're nowhere near as crazy as it was. Uh, I've got my grandfather's old stamp collection from, uh, from that uh, German period, and I, can, uh, I have a, a 50,000 Deutschmark uh, uh, postage stamp that's crossed out and then written over with three million. Now, if you're going to... Yeah, I mean, if you can imagine a Deutschmark was the equivalent of their dollar, and that it, it didn't cost a dollar to send a, uh, a postage stamp, it would have been a fennig, but it would have, um, they, they had actually so inflated their value uh, that, you know, like I say, a 50000 was bumped up to $3 million, and in the worst of the hyperinflation, it actually got, I, I think it went up to $5 billion. Uh, so it, it it was purely insane, but it's it's like you're describing with the corruption of the bankers, uh, the, the the monarchists in this case were uh, were trying to ruin the reputation of a of a republic, and to uh, make people beg to get the corrupt king back. And uh, so I, when you were talking about, uh, uh, you know, a, a, let's see, I think you used. Uh, trying to think of what the word was you were using but it, um, when I would talk about abandoning our birthright our birthright in America is taxation with representation and the idea that we the people can make a pot of money on April 15th and with that money we can buy ourselves something nice we can buy ourselves a library a university we can buy ourselves roads and bridges and schools and anything else and things that we can all use and, and enjoy, sewer systems, fresh water systems, things like that. And the, in this last few years, it's actually more than just a, a couple or few, it's uh, more like a decade or more, 
uh, the uh, the propagandists have been telling us that it's too expensive to invest in ourselves and that we uh, need to cut budgets, cut budgets, cut budgets, and rather than building a bridge that'll save ourselves hours and hours of time, you know, rather than driving 250 miles uh, uh, to... If you've ever been in Utah, one bridge can save you 250 miles of round trip. And uh, uh, so this whole idea of we the people can invest in something nice for ourselves, and the, uh, the, in this case, I'm not a Democrat, uh, but the Republicans in the last couple of years have refused to do anything about the infrastructure bill. They refused. Uh, in this last year, uh, Biden was finally able to get a piece of it uh, by uh, getting the the Republicans pretended that they were going to support it, and they got him to whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down, and then finally they refused to sign on to it, and it was a 50-50 vote, and uh, uh, Kamala Harris uh, finally got it passed. But this whole infrastructure thing is really just investing in ourselves. And the, so when you were talking about the propaganda of, uh, you know, whether it's the Federal Reserve or the old boys, uh, you know, they, they basically, uh, have you ever heard of, of vulture economics? Uh, yeah, yeah, explain it to the listeners. Yeah, well, the, the, uh, the easiest example of it was Katrina, you know, what, a dozen years ago or so, uh, it, the uh, FEMA didn't show up and didn't show up and didn't show up, and I think it was something like two months before they even set up an office, and then it took another month before they staffed the office. And, uh, and so people's houses became not only moldy, but it got into that black mold, which was poisonous and deadly. And so they actually had to bulldoze whole neighborhoods because FEMA never showed up and there was no money to, uh, 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 you know, help people get reestablished, clean up their places, and get a, a, a kind of a fresh start. And the old boys had decided that they wanted that land for themselves, and by, mm-hmm. uh, by ruining it, uh, they would be able to get it at two cents on the dollar. And so, you know, the, the idea of a vulture just circling and waiting until uh, something gets uh, stinky and, and rotten uh, before they, uh, they swoop in to eat it, uh, that's what, uh, uh, you know, the, the vulture economics uh, was in, in Katrina. And most of the, uh, the famous uh, people, like Brownie, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Rex Tillerson, uh, of, uh, and Betsy DeVos. Uh, Betsy DeVos became the education secretary. And during Katrina, uh, she was Trump's secretary of education. During Katrina, she uh, uh, ended up with the school districts of, uh, of Louisiana, a great many of them and that they became privatized to her company. And so she got all of that school money, the education money, uh, right after Katrina. And to this day, as I understand it, she still ha- is cashing in. She's a billionaire, uh, <laughs> cashing in on the school district money that should be going toward you know, the public schools. She manages the public schools with a private, you know, privatized company. 
and uh, Rex Tillerson, I think, what was he, Exxon, they, they ended up with a whole bunch of uh, uh, mineral rights, things like that. People, people had to sell their, uh, their assets uh, right after Katrina just to pay for a bowl of beans. You and, know, uh, David, I, I've suffered through a hurricane also, and they don't call them vultures anymore. They call them developers. Right. And, you know, it goes it goes back to and, you know, uh, back during the Civil War, after the the South had surrendered, uh, Grant was occupying uh, a a lot of the places and he issued uh, uh, warnings and orders to keep the, for a better term, the carpetbaggers out of those areas because they were right. plundering the uh, the area too. So it's not uncommon for for distressed area to be plundered by the money powers. Yeah, exactly, and and it's it's an ancient technique actually. So it's um, yeah, I, I I just going to raise that as a. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's one of these uh, techniques that's old as the hills and uh, just pretty much is moldy. Well, they're using that uh, right now uh, everywhere. I mean, there are a lot of people that are speculating about Ukraine now. They're saying that Ukraine could be another boom after the the other big boom they're talking about. But but I think that uh, the the money powers use war to make money. And it's been going that way for a long time. They they run into problem. They ran into a problem with Vietnam because of the draft, and when they couldn't sustain uh, the military with the draft and public opinion because uh, because public opinion was fading for it, they created uh, a situation where military became a job opportunity, and that's how they marketed it too. Now, oh, I know. You know, and it's funny. Uh... Have you ever seen that book? Uh, it's called The Making of the President series. Uh, they started, I think the first one came out in uh, 1956. But uh, there was a guy, T.E. White, uh, he, he would write these books about the campaign year. So The Making of the President, 1960, 64, 68. Uh, now, if you look for the one 1972, that was when uh, Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard. And so if you look in that Making of the President 1972 and you look in the index under gold, it describes how the world's economy was torn apart because um, the, as much as I don't like the, uh, the World Bank and the IMF, uh, apparently after World War II, uh, the IMF was created so that the currency exchange speculators weren't going to be able to ruin each other's economy. Um, if, if you're familiar with currency exchange speculators in World War I, uh, there were guys that would actually, they, they went out of their way to, uh, to ruin the economies of each, uh, all of the different uh, uh, countries of the world. Uh, you know, if you had a bunch of francs, if you had a bunch of marks, you had a bunch of pounds, you would praise a country for a while, praise it, praise it, praise it in the press, puff up its economy or the value of the currency exchange, and then uh, when it, then you would sell it at a rate uh, advantageous to you, and then uh, they would curse that country for a while to bring the uh, to bounce the currency back and forth. Well, if you're a farmer and you're, 
you know, you're waiting on the weather to make your crop, you can't afford to have somebody ruining the value of the money just so that, uh, that they can profiteer. If you're living in the real world versus the phony world, uh, uh, you know, the penthouse kind of world, uh, you can't afford to have somebody ruining uh, uh, agricultural prices uh, just for uh, currency exchange rates. And uh, mining companies love that currency exchange rate because, you know, if they've mined a whole bunch of, uh, you know, whatever mineral they're digging up and uh, they get it out of in a country, they've got it in a great pile there, then they wait for the uh, currency exchange to, uh, to shift and they can pay the workers in this undervalued money and then haul all of the, the minerals out of the country for next to nothing. And uh, so the IMF was created to prevent that so that all of the world's currencies would be based against the U.S. dollar. And uh, apparently after World War II, the U.S. dollar was considered the most honest uh, currency. And so the IMF would, would uh, uh, be used to, with the U.S. dollar as the base and if you wanted to change your, if you were in France and you wanted to go to England, you would take your French francs and do them against the U.S. dollar and then buy uh, uh, pounds against the U.S. dollar. And so you, it was no longer an issue of franc against pounds. It was a franc against the U.S. dollar against the uh, pound. And so uh, when you read this book, Making of the President, uh, 1972, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, he also basically disrupted that whole basis uh, of, of the U.S. dollar being the, the currency exchange. And when you were just talking about the Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine is considered, it's said to be 25% of the world's topsoil. So of, of agriculture for the next thousand years, Ukraine is a very important place. And uh, similarly, in 1972, when currency, uh, the currency exchanges were disrupted with Nixon, uh, Bangladesh, you remember uh, George Harrison did that famous concert for Bangladesh. Well, apparently Bangladesh is at the foothills of the Himalayas, and they're getting all of this erosion for, for the next 10,000 years, uh, they're going to be improved topsoil because the erosion is going to land in Bangladesh. And so all of the rich of the world, agribusiness of the world, decided to buy up, uh, it was called East Pakistan at the time, and they bought up all of the best farmland in, Bangla in East Pakistan, switched the name of the country to Bangladesh, kicked all the farmers off the land, and even though it was an extremely prosperous country, uh, the, uh, the people were starving because the agribusiness was getting more money selling the, the grains and, and food to Hong Kong and to London and to wherever else. And so they actually had starvation in a land of plenty. And, uh, and so this whole issue about uh, uh, gold standards or, or currency speculators has been going on for years. And whether or not Putin is just doing a grab of all of that topsoil because he knows that for the next 10,000 years you can have uh, some food stability. But what's ugly about what's going on in Ukraine right now is they're just 
polluting the hell out of it with a war. Uh, you can't just be lobbing shells and, and uh, all of the chemicals that they're using, uh, you know, just driving over all of those farmers' fields uh, in order to have a battle and then expecting that they're not going to have food insecurity for the next number of years. And in fact, uh, just the other day, uh, you, you know, every once in a while you see those little ads about give seven cents a day for a starving child in Africa. Well, nowadays they're asking for a buck a day. It's no longer seven cents a day because uh, because Ukraine is such an important uh, a grain uh, producing country, uh, and the war going on there, they're not even able to use that grain to feed uh, the starving in in Africa, and so the price has gone up to a buck from seven cents. So yeah, it's uh, you know we've we've basically got to figure out a, a way of using money as a reputation as opposed to letting just those penthouse boys just take piles of the money and use it for their right. personal game. You know, it's, well, the, it's an issue of reputation. The IMF uh, lost its reason to exist after Nixon took us off the gold, wasn't it? And it, it still exists, but yeah, you're right. right. I mean, the U.S. dollar uh, was, and, and politics came into it after that. Everybody, well, the IMF Reagan, is... The IMF, as I understand it, was put together to help uh, stabilize the economies after World War II. And, and Nixon, when he did what he did, uh, it, it basically took away the need for the IMF to exist. As far as the speculation, you know, speculation is encouraged by, by the bankers. And what it does, it, it, um, it subordinates property, land. And that's what I think a lot of the people are moving for, you know, it's been speculated that, that, um, uh, in the, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the protocols of the learned elders of Zion, but all these things that you talk about have been spoken of before in there. It's, it's, uh, there's one thing that, uh, that was interesting. Um, I was reading, uh, I think it's the Henry Ford translation, uh, that says uh, we will force up wages, which, however, will be of no benefit to workers, for we at the same time will cause a rise in the prices of prime necessities, pretending that this is due to the decline of agriculture and the end of cattle raising. Now, you know that's kind well, of an yeah, old it's thing, the same but, but they. Well, they call it uh, they call it pump and dump now in the economy. They pump the economy and they dump it, and they keep everything kind of in a a, a steady state of um, of instability. I I think that that's the way the currency markets are manipulated with all the with all the instability in the world. The currency that has maintained is is overshadowing value is the American dollar. Now, I don't understand why that is. Do you? Well, um, I, uh, I, I know we're coming toward the top of the hour, and, uh, you know, the show's got to end, but it, the uh, there are people who have, like I was saying with Germany in the hyperinflation, they want to ruin the reputation of a republic so that they can get back to kingdoms. And, uh, you know, just some dictator or autocrat or you know, in fact, oligarchs, uh, you know, oligarchs are just simply rich guys that have no duty to care. Uh, 
and in fact, um, have you ever heard of the social contract? Uh, I, I remember hearing that. Well, it's how we uh, kicked out the king in 1776. Uh, the king pretended that God put him in charge, and uh, and when <laughs> the, the the colonists figured out that the king was just taking all of the tax money, sucking it back to London and having a party with it, rather than reinvesting in America, uh, he didn't reinvest in the in this 13 colonies. In fact, he stuck us with David. company script. Yeah. Hold hold on for a minute. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. This is Captain Fred. Uh, I've got Lynn in Maryland is holding and Laura in Michigan is holding. We'll be right back. There's no turning back Even while we're asleep We will find you Acting on your best behavior Turn your back on Mother Nature Everybody wants to rule the world It's my own design. It's my own Did you know that essential oils have had a multitude of natural health and skin uses in history, but have been somewhat forgotten by recent civilization? Susanna's Secret offers 100% pure natural oils at prices you can actually afford. Do you have a house or office with a musty smell or mold? Studies have shown that essential oils like the one in our Thief and Robbers blend will kill or inhibit mold, viruses, bacteria, and fungus. Just diffuse with it, and you will see the long-lasting effects that even synthetic chemicals don't achieve. Purifica, another one of our products used to clean and freshen your house or give a natural scent when drying laundry. For that special lady, we offer a ginger argan oil in a beautiful cosmetic bottle or a pure argan oil, a natural acne-fighting product. Check us out at SusannaSecret.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-A-S Secret.com. S-U-S-A-N-A-S Secret.com. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 